You're listening to the N2K Space Network. This episode is brought to you by Palo Alto Networks, the leader in cybersecurity. As AI-driven attacks increase, organizations can't afford to have network security that's stuck in the past. Discover how Palo Alto Networks can help you predict what's coming and proactively secure against it with a zero-trust, AI-powered network security platform built to secure whatever, whenever, wherever. To learn more, visit paloaltonetworks.com slash network security platform. Welcome to T-Minus Deep Space from N2K Networks. I'm Maria Varmazes, host of the T-Minus Space Daily Podcast. Deep Space includes extended interviews and bonus content for a deeper look into some of the topics that we cover on our daily program. Now, being based in the United States here at T-Minus, we are admittedly very interested in the Artemis Accords. This U.S.-led agreement on how we return to the moon, how we collaborate across nations for the betterment of humanity and the furthering of space exploration, admittedly, we're happy when we hear that another nation has signed on. And today we're speaking with Robert Ayon, who had played a significant role in having Ecuador become the 26th signatory to the Artemis Accords. He'll walk us through that story today and share his thoughts on developing space expertise and industry in developing nations. He has a fascinating story and a great perspective. I'll let him introduce himself. My name is Robert Ayan. I am uh, the president of the Guayaquil Space Society, a chapter of the National Space Society from the United States. I'm also an ambassador for the Milo Space Science Institute from Arizona State University. And uh, I'm the founder of the company Leviathan Space Industry that wants to develop a spaceport in Ecuador for private commercial use. It's fascinating. There's, there's so much good news coming out of Ecuador when it comes to space right now. So let's start with the big headline news about Ecuador joining the Artemis Accords. And if I understand correctly, you had a big part in making that happen. Um, I would love if you could walk our audience through I know it was a long journey. <laughs> Could you start us at the beginning and just tell me the story of how that came to be, how, how you got Ecuador to join the Artemis Accords? Oh, definitely. Uh, we started five years ago. My career was focusing in banking. And at the time when I, when, when I left that, I was trying to see what can we do with technology to help the productivity in Ecuador, to improve its competitiveness, you know, its economic development. And uh, because one of the things that you see in developing nations is they're always developing, but there's no end date about when that's going to happen. So I was trying to see what can we do with technology that can have a profound effect. And I definitely saw that space definitely touched every aspect of a local economy, you know, from agriculture, communications, education, manufacturing, uh, logistics. So then I said, okay, let, let's take advantage of this. Let's looks like a great moment, you know, because the commercial sector is lifting and uh, the new players are going to be definitely looking for people who can provide great services. 
So this is an opportunity. Maybe we can fit in into this space supply chain. So as you know, Ecuador is geographic position. It's very unique. And I think it definitely offers something very meaningful that the market demands in case of access to communications, launches, you know, the biodiversity and attractiveness of Ecuador through its geography. It's something that it's a, it can be very meaningful for the future. And starting now, we have to be ready for that. So we decided to take some different activities thinking about that. The first thing that we did, you know, was form the company, Leviathan Space, thinking about the spaceport as the center. What can drive this in Ecuador, you know, having this ecosystem develop. And then we saw the need for institutional developments, that we needed the institutions to get the people involved, get a voice, get people excited about this. And that's why we decided to open up the Guayaquil Space Society so the young people would be able to, to have that path, you know, to, to, of, of involvement, of activism. And uh, we reached out to the National Space Society. They, they approved a chapter for us. It was the first of Latin America that, that was available. So it was very excited for us to be able to generate events, invite astronauts to participate, like Craig Johnson, that, that came over to visit Ecuador, and, uh, and then getting the universities involved with their students, you know, activities, research. We were able to send seats into the International Space Station, the first seats from Latin America. So, so that was exciting, you know, taking these steps to show people that it is possible, that they can get involved, that it's not something that is very foreign uh, to them. And through that, we definitely saw that we need to have a closer relationship to the space community and, and the government needs to be very uh, involved. So we had been advocating uh, for the last two years uh, so we could have Artemis uh, as something that we can aspire to. So we started with some webinars, some activity. We invited some space lawyers from the U.S., Greg Autry. Uh, we invited some lawyers from Ecuador to start thinking about in terms about how this impact us. So we had some great initial conversations about what was happening. Then last year, uh, Professor Greg Autry from uh, Thunderbird School of Global Management visited us. We were able to talk to different government officials uh, about the opportunities of Artemis, with that, we were able to, to drive that conversation in, into a very important lobbying effort. Even though we did not spend any resources or any money, any contributions or things along those lines, which is what you consider the lobbying effort, we took a very educational approach of engaging actors in the community, all the stakeholders, you know, talking in this case to the universities, talking in this case to industry folks from the private sector, talking to the government officials, in the Ministry of Transportation, the Ministry of Defense, the Ministry of Foreign Relations, and, and trying to drive that message. Then we were also able to get the support from Mike Gold from Redwire, who was one of the architects of uh, the Artemis Accords. So his excitement and drive was able to definitely generate very positive interest from the U.S. government and NASA in that case. So once we had that, we just had to drive through the conversation internally in Ecuador through all the reviews, all the necessary approvals that were needed at each different ministry. So, so which that can was be a, a lot. <laughs> it, it, it can definitely be a process. lot, and, and yeah. it can drive a, a, a lot of, uh, of time that, that is needed for that. But the, the exciting thing was that there was never a door that was closed to us. People listened, people were excited, people saw so, so an opportunity here. The timing 
also helped us, I think, because Ecuador has been going through a lot of changes in the last couple of months. And now that was an opportunity to show a positive message, something good, you know, something that can definitely benefit the community. And I think that's what, when we had our conversation with uh, Minister of Foreign Relations, Gustavo Manrique, telling him about what it entailed to join our and, and what were the benefits for Ecuador in this case in the long term to be able to part of the community, drive the conversation, have a seat in the table. He was very excited. And uh, we then I was able to tell him, well, you're going to be going to, to Washington next week to talk about the blue bond for the Galapagos and do other things. Let's try to put it on the agenda. And, and to my surprise, he said yes. And, and very quickly, the, the, the team from the foreign relations and, and the embassy of Ecuador in Washington was able to coordinate this event in less than a week. So, so that was very exciting. It was a lot of work behind the shades that men, not many people know what it, what it takes to get something like this signed and, and, and getting all these government officials together to, to definitely do something important. So, so for us, it was very positive. So now we can definitely say that we're starting a path with Artemis that opens up a world of opportunities for, for Ecuador. And that's, I think, the most important part that we want everybody to consider, you know, that you can be involved and that you can be participant and you can lead. And, and I think that's so, so important because what happens with our industries, you know, agriculture, bananas, shrimp, uh, coffee, uh, cocoa, in this case, rice, fresh flowers, how can they play a role in space, you know, to support the astronaut missions? How does the diverse ecosystem in Ecuador can help maybe in astronaut training? Maybe we can have the NASA astronauts come down to Ecuador and participate and scale one of the volcanoes or go to the jungle or do scuba diving and, and do part of that. And last year, you know, Jared Isaac, man, for Inspiration4 and now the Polaris mission, he brought the Polaris mission astronauts to train to Ecuador. So, so def definitely opportunity for that to continue. That's wonderful. And, and all these fantastic examples of the different applications for space. I mean, it, it sounds like that really helped move the needle, as it were, for the political will. Because I know for in the scientific community, there's a lot of interest. And <laughs> it's almost like we know what the we know what the benefits are. We're all on board. But when we get to the political part, that's often where things can stall. And I'm so impressed and, and, and I admire the work that you and your teams did to keep pushing through the points where often things will just kind of peter out, for lack of a better term, because that's that's where it gets really difficult. Um, and you made it sound so easy, but I know it was a multi-year process. <laughs> and I, I, I'm wondering if you have any advice for anyone else who may be in a similar situation as you when, if they're trying to advocate for maybe their country joining the Artemis Accords or maybe just trying to get a space program running and running into the bureaucracy, the politics, that kind of thing. Like any, any advice you would have for, for folks like that? The, the most difficult part is always for the community that is not space savvy and they do not understand the benefits or the technology, how it impacts them. So that's the hardest part to do. And that's where we definitely need to be prepared to elaborate the right, uh, not only topics, but the right arguments to be able to show what it means for them and how they benefit and how it impacts them. Because everybody asks, and how much is this going to cost me? And how does that affect me? How much work does it's going to put on my table? And, and, and that's where we have to drive the conversation about technology is going to help you. It's going to drive you more competitive. You know, this is not going to, in this case, for the private sector, not going to cost you anything right now. 
But what it does is opens up technology, opportunity for research, opportunity for collaboration, opportunity for branding your products. And I think that's really important for them to start making a click. How does my business model needs to be updated as this new technology matures and these accesses exploding considerably uh, with ease. We'll be right back after this quick break. Imagine a world where you're always one step ahead of cyber threats, where your defenses are impenetrable because you see what others don't. Welcome to Team Cymru's Threat Intelligence Solutions. With real-time access to the world's largest threat intelligence data ocean, they enable you to turn the tables on attackers. Transform your security from reactive to proactive through accelerated threat hunting and incident response, made possible through automation. Empower your team with visibility and insights to start defending your organization like never before. Team Cymru. Be the hunter, not the hunted. Learn more at team-cumry.com slash cyberwire. That's team-cymru.com slash cyberwire. With over 8,000 threat hunters analyzing over 65 trillion signals daily, Microsoft works tirelessly with the federal government to keep our nation's data secure. This 30-plus-year partnership is driving mission innovation that is secure by design. Whether optimizing your existing defenses or tackling advanced threats with AI, Microsoft gives you the intelligence and the automation you need to defend at mission scale. Let's work together to stay ahead of emerging threats and secure your mission anywhere. Learn more at aka.ms slash fedcyber. That's aka.ms slash fedcyber. I'd love to, to shift gears a little bit in terms of now that Ecuador has signed the Artemis Accords, which is wonderful. Uh, you, you don't speak for all of the country, obviously. That's a lot of fun. Um, in your view, uh, what, what's next for Ecuador in terms of space? There's a, there's a lot of different interesting programs. I know Leviathan Space, your, your company, is, is certainly part of that. Can you give us a sense of, of what, like, what's next? So we definitely think that it's important to have everybody ready. And, and, and but the question is, what does that mean? So we reached out and uh, we formed a great relationship with the Milo Space Science Institute from Arizona State University. And they develop a program for NASA for workforce development. And they've been training people for the last few years, over 5,000 graduates, that they're ready to join NASA. And the reason they did this program was that NASA was looking at university candidates that were taking too long to start performing in the new roles. They were taking up to 18 months to really get ready, you know, to perform and deliver. So they brought out Milo to be able to shorten and, 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 and that gap. And, and that's really important for us to start thinking about how does the university students, because space is multidisciplinary, you need different careers and, and different types of teams to come together to start thinking about how do we create value? How do we create solutions? So now 
they're working with local universities to implement programs. One that is going to be focused on the moon and space, and one that is going to be focused on Earth observation, because that's what Ecuador needs in this case. How do you monitor the forest? How do you monitor the crops? How do you balance the environment with the development of the cities? And that's a lot of data and information that that needs to be captured, processed, analyzed, interpreted, and then make the final decisions. So that's a big hole in this new development is, great, we have the technologies, but who's going to use it? And how that's going to drive benefit for the business leaders or government officials. So that's really exciting for us right now that Milo was able to sign an agreement with the American Chamber of Commerce, uh, with the Universidad San Francisco de Quito, with the Spol University, Universidad Hemisferios, CEDIA, Universidad Técnica Particular de Loja. And next week, no, next month, we're going to have a visit of, from the Space Foundation because the Space Foundation, they have a very great program for STEAM education for primary and secondary. So what we like to do is develop this pipeline you know, from all the young students getting excited early on about what space and science can do for them so they can continue through high, elementary school and high school. So they drop out because there's always very dro- high dropout rates. And then they can start thinking, okay, college is an opportunity for me. And maybe I can find a career there. And now they can continue the next step. And also like, what happens in the university, there's very high dropout rates because people cannot find job opportunities with the path that they decide to follow. So amplifying that and making things that are focused towards service solutions for the private sector, it's, it's definitely a channel to, to create that type of value there. So what we like to do is for the students to go through this process and when they reach the end line and they're graduating from the university, is one, they become the best possible candidates so the private sector can hire them, any type of company. Because what they'll do is they'll bring a, a wealth of experience and knowledge of new technologies that they can apply for these companies that they're going to be looking to update their business models in the next decade. And then if they want to become entrepreneurs, then they can follow that path and try to provide the support for them to grow and develop and form part of the ecosystem. So those things are very important as we think about the ecosystem development. And that's what we want to show the, 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 the young people here in Ecuador that, you know, you have to be ready because the world is changing. You're not going to only compete in your local neighborhood, in your local city, in your country. You're competing against billions of people around the world for, for what, what is happening right now. And the local companies also need to be aware of these high rapid changes in technology about how they can leverage that to their benefit. And that's how, how we're starting and how we're promoting because we definitely want to emphasize the use of research, applications, you know, how we can go ahead and apply that for our crops, for diseases, like in the case of the banana plants, there's a lot of funguses that definitely uh, provide a lot of harm. So there's a lot of opportunities there to see because in space, you know, it's such a wonderful laboratory to do science because the conditions cannot be replicated on Earth and you can learn so much there. And then the goal of having this space for network, which is to provide a place for Latin America to have space access. And I think this is really relevant because this definitely could be the most important project for the region in the next hundred years because Imagine what it would mean for Latin America to have access to space in a meaningful way, commercial, private actors participating, driving this growth, and then thinking what would happen in 100 years 
if we did not have that, how the local dynamics of the whole region can change. And, and, and one of the examples that I started thinking of is what would happen, for example, to our city in Guayaquil? Guayaquil is a big dynamic trading spot where the port system has allowed it to develop through history, you know, connections to trade across the region. And that allowed the banana sector to develop, the shrimp sector to develop, cocoa, and another food export that drives great part of the, the, the export economy. If we wouldn't have a seaport, then we wouldn't be able to develop those industries. And, and I think the same applies to a spaceport concept, is what that infrastructure will allow the new generation of entrepreneurs to come up with next. But if they do not have the infrastructure, they won't be able to, to leverage that for their success. Such an important point. That's something uh, I talk about with my, my producer a lot as well. The infrastructure conversation uh, is not always everybody's favorite thing, but it is so crucial. And especially when you're looking forward, as, as you were saying, you have to put those pieces in place. And it's, it's such an important conversation. So I'm, I'm really glad you brought that up. Ecuador is literally perfectly positioned to benefit from spaceport. So I, I, I really hope that happens. And I will be looking at, at great in, with great interest to see how, how things go there. I, I just wanted to also sort of to give you the floor. You have done something really incredible. Again, getting Ecuador to sign the Artemis Accord is not a small thing. I wanted to just give you the opportunity to mention anything that maybe we haven't addressed or something that you wanted to talk about that I haven't touched on. Anything there? I think one of the most important opportunities is what's going to happen with Artemis next and how these group of countries that are coming together definitely contribute and, and offer something meaningful. But for many of them, you know, it's the first time getting involved in such a high endeavor. So there's the need for help, for assistance. And I think it's a great opportunity for the U.S. to show leadership in providing, you know, either scholarships, funding for education, assistance for the, the research and the science that needs to be needed. In this case, many countries need a space agency. Some of the Artemis countries do not have a space agency themselves. So I, I think that's a great opportunity to help shape the national strategy of each country because many countries do not have a national strategy. And once you develop a national strategy vision about what role each country plays and how it collaborates with the rest, then you can start thinking about, okay, if I'm going to be focusing on this. I need to develop not only the space agency, but focus my education sector to be able to participate or focus my existing industry to that or create new laws and regulations to support the development of this. And I think that's very, very important. And, and, and that's definitely that I would love to see, you know, the U.S. take a lead in, in providing that, that framework, that assistance, that help to, to be able to, to bring all the actors, you know, private, academic, and government officials in each country to be able to determine their own path for success in Artemis. Very well said. And uh, I, I hope they hear you. I'm sure they will through us as well. That's a, a, such a good point. And uh, I, I want to just leave it there because I think that that's a great way to end our interview. But Robert, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for walking me through this, this multi-year massive project with great success. Congratulations. It's a wonderful thing. And uh, I look forward to watching how Ecuador continues to thrive. So uh, thank you so much for, for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Maria, thank you for the invitation. And please, I hope that you can visit us in Ecuador soon. And that's it for T-Minus Deep Space for July 22nd, 2023. 
We'd love to know what you think of this podcast. You can email us at space at n2k.com or submit the survey in the show notes. Your feedback ensures that we deliver the information that keeps you a step ahead in the rapidly changing space industry. This episode is produced by Alice Carruth. Mixing by Elliot Peltzman and Trey Hester with original music and sound design by Elliot Peltzman. Our executive producer is Brandon Karp. Our chief intelligence officer is Eric Tillman. And I'm Maria Varmazes. Thanks for listening. 